Hello, hello, one, two. Hi, this is the first of a bunch of episodes I'm releasing in one day. Because I'll either be on tour when you hear this or about to go on tour or have just been on tour, something like that, I'm definitely not going to have the time to watch all the movies that I need to make a proper episode. And as the regular listeners know, these episodes tend to be split into two parts and they roll on for about five hours. So if you woke up this morning expecting to hear the first part of 1973, many apologies to you. That will be happening on the 1st of September. And and yes, it gets worse. I'll be on holiday in October. So that month, I'll be doing the same thing. But then I will be back the following month. I promise. I just don't want to bring you lot that have been so good to me, so kind and like so faithful and telling your friends about the show and things like that. I don't want to bring you lot half ass stabs at those big episodes so I'm not going to do it instead I've just taken a bunch of my favorite chats that I've already included in those long-winded episodes I just mentioned I've pulled them out straight out of context anyone can now listen to these individually I think there's going to be maybe eight of them going up today so have a look on the front cover if you like it click play many apologies again enjoy Now, there are only two really great films left. And also, this is only three years ago. If you are into horror, and I presume, of course, that you are, because you're listening to this show and you're almost at the end of it, then you will know what those two films are that I have left. So just so you know, my number two movie is directed by Ari Aster. It's his debut full-length feature. I think I preferred his follow-up, though, and that was called Midsummer, and that, I think, was Flawless. But honestly, there isn't too much in it. I have to say that this film is everything that I hoped horror would become. When I went to the cinema to see it, my hopes were so high. And when I left, it was just swimming around in my head for days afterwards. I was totally and utterly fulfilled. And how often does that happen in a cinema? Of course, I'm currently speaking about Hereditary. Come on, Peter. That's your suit. It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. It's Grandma. You know you were her favorite, right? Even when you were a little baby, she wouldn't let me feed you because she needed to feed you. She was a very difficult woman, which maybe explains me. I recognize you from your mother. What? Sometimes I swear I can feel them in the room. Oh my God! What's that? She isn't gone. 
She had private rituals, private friends. Who's gonna take care of me? You don't think I'm gonna take care of you? But when you die. And she wasn't altogether there. At the end. any more stress on my family. When Ellen, the matriarch of the Graham family, passes away, her daughter's family begins to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry. So, the guest for this one is Becky Dark, She's a rock star in the podcasting game. I first heard her on Evolution of Horror, and then I heard her on the Final Girls podcast. She's also hosted her own podcasts, and they are called Return to Eerie Indiana and Don't Point That Horror at Me. You can sort of get what they're about from the titles. She also writes for several publications. And you know what? Over the past couple of years when I've been listening to her, I discovered that we have really similar tastes. I would say you already are aware of her if you're listening to this, but if you're not, she always gives good content on Twitter, so why don't you go and follow her? She is at Bunny Dark, and Dark has an E on the end. Easy. So here we are just a few weeks ago chewing the dirt over everybody's favourite telegraph pole decapitation movie. We're talking Hereditary. How you doing, Becky? Hello. I'm all right. I'm all right. Thanks. How are you? Very, um, very excited. We're going to talk about hereditary in a minute. I've just learnt from doing again stalking you that <laughs> I've missed like a whole eerie Indiana podcast. <gasps> Mate, what? Where have you been? <laughs> I, I got to know your voice from uh, Evolution of Horror, so that's that's yeah. where I know you from. And then yeah. I've gone. Oh, wonderful! What, what's going on here? And I've seen it today. Is that every episode that you've done? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Josh Tonks, who you might also know from mm-hmm. Evolution of Horror. Um, so he and I have done an entire Eerie Indiana rewatch podcast. For anyone who doesn't know out there, Eerie Indiana is a like one series kind of uh, early 90s kind of for kids, but a bit. A little, also a little bit sort of too old for kids, like yep. Twin Peaks, X Files for kids, um, and it starred Omri Katz and um, Justin Schenkero. It was a um, Joe Dante kind of creation, 
Um, and so, yeah, we did an entire, of, there's 19 episodes. So it was this beautiful, like little kind of <laughs> self-contained little rewatch. But like, it was this weird, um, you know, we're sort of on a bit of a hiatus at the moment because we got to the end of the 19 episodes and we were like, mm, what do we do now? Um, but it was this weird sort of flash in the pan moment for us because like we, we interviewed Joe Dante. We interviewed... Yeah, honestly, like mind-blowing stuff. Like Justin Schenkero, who played Simon in the show, was the first person who was like, like, he's such a nice guy. And he literally reached out and he was like, hi, guys. Like, thanks for kind of giving the show all this love. And, you know, so he put us in touch with um, Carl Schaefer, who was one of the um, like co-creators. And then Joe Dante was like the director of the pilot. And so um, Carl put us in touch with Joe. And then I'm in this completely bizarre, like alternate universe situation where I'm sorry, I'm like making Joe Dante laugh. How is how is this happening to me right now? <laughs> like that was where my life peaked and everything has been downhill from then. Um, so yeah, but anyway, if you're into like early 90s kind of niche sci-fi horror kids shows, then it's for you. <laughs> I haven't seen it since it was aired uh, and I've got a sealed um, DVD box set that I haven't opened for like two years when I got it two Mate. Christmases ago or whatever. So what a happy... Happy circumstance today has been. I'm very happy with it. I want I want you to revisit the show and listen along with our That's little it. rewatch. Honestly, it it stands up, man. Like it's it's a joy. <laughs> I just remember like a spooky Elvis guy. Is that right? Am I thinking there the right is, thing? Yeah, Elvis. Yes, absolutely. Elvis lives on <laughs> lives lives in Erie, Indiana. Yeah. I've just always been like, I'm not going to go to that because it's a child's thing, you know. No. It's... <laughs> no. It's so good. Yeah, it's that it's that kind of dark, quite subversive uh, sort of humour that then when like because like you, like I hadn't seen it since <laughs> I was an early teen and had all of these, you know, wild memories of it. And then you revisit it. And it is one of those things where it's like um, there's obviously the such smart writing behind it that as adults you're like oh like I didn't pick up on that when I was a kid like really cool really really cool like layered I'm doing much the same thing with the Lost Boys podcast at the moment where I watch an episode and listen to that so as soon as that's done thank you very much I'm in I'm in Virginia Ah. Indiana smashing (laughs) Um, anyway we've got to stop talking about that because we're here to talk about my second favourite film of the year from 2018. Am I allowed to ask what was number one? You will, but I'm going to have to edit it out. <laughs> I think. All right. I think that's just just tops it's it. It's good. I disagree, but it is good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm. I'm going to ask you, if I may, for a synopsis for for those which I can't imagine is hardly anyone listen to this, but for anyone that doesn't know about it, what's the synopsis for Hereditary? Oh wow. Um, okay, so there it's it's a family drama. So at the centre of this film is a family. You've got Annie is the mum, her husband Steve, and their two kids Peter and Charlie. Um, who so Charlie is like thirteen, Peter's slightly older. Um, and at the beginning of the film, Annie's mum has passed away and you very much get the impression that they had a very complicated relationship. Yeah. And then tragedy continues throughout the film because um, relatively early on, um, Charlie also meets quite a devastating end. And 
it all kind of unfolds with these creepy, mm, tense, kind of drony scenes where you realise that there is a lot going on in the background. Annie starts to have visions of um, her dead mum. There is um, kind of visitations from... um, Charlie, who has also departed, um, it starts to unfold the um, dead ma- dead grandma um, may have been into some stuff that, you know, the rest of the family didn't know about, some kind of like culty, uh, like demonic kind of occulty kind of stuff. Um, and then by the end of the movie, there's a whole sort of crazy possession, body swap, decapitation situation that happens. <laughs> you you made it sound pretty bleak. I thought this was uh, one of those happy films. Maybe not. Uh, okay. Um, so the first time I saw this in the cinema... I already knew some bits and pieces. I'd already spoiled it a bit, but nothing prepared me for that ending. And I totally loved it. But people next to me were laughing and it really annoyed me, really angered me. What was your first experience watching this? So I also saw it at the cinema. I have photographs of my upper right arm from when I came out of the cinema into the daylight from where I had dug my nails into my own (laughs) flesh and had left like these four little half crescent (laughs) marks in my arm. I think I knew from about 90 seconds into this film that it was a masterpiece. Like uh, my first experience with it at the cinema was just like jaw like jaw on the floor like amazing kind of this is almost cinema made for me um but like what you say about the kind of laughter like <sighs> Ariaster's a, a an interesting creator because there is this undercurrent of um, almost absurdity to his work and there are moments in his like his kind of um, filmography and and specifically in hereditary where I think you do kind of like you almost go like I don't entirely know what I'm watching right now and I'm so uncomfortable that I am almost more likely to like laugh than shudder like there's there is that kind of like oh like it you sort of so yeah I mean I don't know like it's you know it's obviously not a comedy film but there are moments in it that are just like utter absurdity and it does sort of definitely reach those points of dialing it up to 11 where when people in the audience because I had a similar experience when people in the audience did kind of laugh or like but it was always kind of uncomfortably not like I'm laughing at the film more like I'm laughing because I literally don't know what else to do with myself yeah I was with my wife and and she said that it because I was cross I was proper cross at these people and she's like it's just they've let let go of like a pressure valve and like yeah. it's just uh, that release. It's been so. It's like laugh or scream, isn't it? Th- that family drama is real deep family drama. Like you can't go more visceral and and crazed and you know inside someone's mind as Ariasta did in that first what, I don't know hour. It's intense, yeah. and yeah, yeah, I guess that pressure valve does need to be released. But it doesn't mean I wasn't like 
taken out of it. Because when I was watching it, I was thinking to myself during the first watch, we're, I'm so excited about this director. I don't know who this is. This is incredible. Plus, this is another film to put into that sort of thing where we're living in one of my favourite, if not the my favourite ever time in the horror movies. Mm. Like It's such a great era to be involved in and to be alive watching all this stuff. Uh, while I'm, you know, not got a walking stick or not a baby. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. And I just felt like you people were ruining this for me. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you feel the same? Do you feel like this is yet another, like, an, another sort of get out, another, like, classic thing that, you know, that a horror community can just fall in love with? I do. I do feel that way about this film. Um I was really happy when you reached out to me about 2018 and I, that I, cause you sent me honestly, like <laughs> what a list, what a list. And I was like, well, I mean, nobody's ever asked me to talk about hereditary and it's literally like my favorite horror film of the last, oh, Wow, like certainly like of the, of, of the like recent years, um, you've, you've got, there is this sort of moment, I think, happening. Um, the witch and raw and, um, uh, you know, hereditary get out. You've got us and Midsummer, um, And it's it's this like, you're right. Like it's a moment and, and it is exciting. And I think that it is a point that a lot of us horror fans can kind of coalesce around. But there are other people people who are very much horror fans who were like mm, it's not my sort of thing a bit like with the 90s like the 90s where it was very kind of um glossy sure. and like teen slashes you know that that sort of return of the teen slasher but much glossier much less like scuzzy and much more kind of like um daytime tv stars and stuff and um i feel like at the moment there is a divide um but i am very much on the side of this stuff and um I've this is probably like I was again like I was so delighted to for you to ask me on to talk about this because I was like great I've got another excuse to watch it again because I think this was like my fifth or sixth time watching the film and literally every time I come back to it it blows me away again it's not even like none of it diminishes none of it is like oh like I've, I've got to that really annoying nerdy point with this film where I'm almost like quoting it along in my head um but that doesn't like the fact that I know what's coming up doesn't take away from how fucking scary this film is and how effective it is like I love it in in my viewing I was looking all around that room you mentioned (laughs) scary and I, I did I missed her in the top corner I missed her there and um like I was told about it afterwards, and I, I, I can't believe I've missed that. And I watched it on the last day of it being at the cinema, so I couldn't go back and see it there at my local. So I had to wait just to see this part again. And you're right, even knowing that I know now where to look, it was still like, that's done in such a frightening way. So did you not Did you not have the thing in the cinema? So when people were like laughing and stuff and annoying you, um, did you not have the thing in the cinema where you had that like weird ripple through the audience as people kind of noticed her at different times. You didn't... That's why I was looking around the screen. How oh, can you be right. so stupid to not see it? <laughs> like, I, I know, right, okay, we've focused on this far too long. Where am I meant to be looking? 
I'm so mm-hmm. used to like paranormal activity type of thing where you're just looking in the nooks and crannies. But it was yeah, right yeah. there. <laughs> it was right there. You oh, were looking idiot. too hard. <laughs> That's it. Ah, oh, idiot. Uh, right. Okay. So, well, Tony Collette, let's talk about her. So, I mean, it's almost a cliche now to say, oh, I can't believe she didn't get an Oscar for this performance. Yeah. But um, let's, if, if we can, just talk about her a little bit because watching it again a few weeks back, ready for this i know you watched it yesterday you're much more fresh i'm, I'm very jealous but i i again was like no i can clearly see why everyone says that it's not just you know bullshit that we're all talking it's real like this is better than every i checked down the list of everyone who was nominated and like my memories of those films and everything and I'm, no this is better like yeah it's how do you feel about that are you cross still at that I'm f- I'm fuming, fuming. I um, the same, you know, because it's like it is a cliche now. Like it's a t-shirt, right? Right. Like that's how much of a cliche it is. And I almost said cliche-shirt. It's a cliche-shirt now. <laughs> um, now that's a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like my cliche-shirt? Uh, but I was again, like you say, I watched it yesterday, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, she is unbelievable and it's not just those moments where she is mm, like almost like gurning like those kind of like real kind of you know she's got her mouth dropped open or she is in a moment of absolute terror those are amazing of course they are but the performance for me is is the quieter moments. It's when 100%. she is reading the obituary at her mother's funeral. It's when she is speaking to the support group and talking about like her childhood and her mum's life. It is when she is even like the, the smallest little like facial gestures where she'll be kind of working in her um in her little workshop on her miniatures and she'll like just look at a post-it note that she's written to herself and then you've got the like close-up on her face of like her reacting to a post-it note that she's written to herself like how is she that good um and it is yeah you know the the dialed up to 11 stuff is amazing and like she was like ideal casting for those moments but the for me the anger about the Oscar snub is from those quieter moments where it is like, I'm sorry, are we watching the same film? Because she is breathtaking. She didn't need to say anything. You're right. It's in the eyes. There's like years of pain. Yeah. And like when her, when her husband's calling her and that simple glance, I just remember thinking that is so much pain. There's so many arguments. There's so many like love and embraces all in that glance. I, and I, I was, you know, not to be sort of saying silly things, but I was pretty floored by it. I think yeah. that it, it's shocking that you you can do that one end and then at the other end of the film, you're, you know, banging your head. Like bang, 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 bang. Like, you know, the, these two massive extremes. Which, by the way, is my 100% most terrifying moment of the movie. <laughs> that bit where she's like... Yes like up on the attic door just like because you hear it first you hear it from peter's perspective first it's like oh she's just 
banging on the door because she wants to get in. And then it cuts to her literally like stuck to the ceiling, just smashing her face into it. It's like, yeah, no, this isn't, this isn't okay. <laughs> is that is that that moment when I'm just thinking, this Ariasta, this is something else. I've not seen that before. And then you think yeah. back and you think, oh, I've not seen that before. You know, when you've been watching hundreds of horror films, and then you're just like, this is new. This is this is. It great. does, yeah. You're a hundred percent right. It's there's there's a freshness to it and a moment of. Because my my entry into horror um, was quite supernatural. I've always been much more um, on the kind of supernatural occulty side of stuff, and my like slasher. Um, education has actually come a bit later so I my kind of doorway was films like <laughs> um, Amityville Horror The Omen um, The Exorcist like stuff like that right. so you know I was I was kind of I cut my like poltergeist I cut my teeth on films that have these moments of sheer like paranormal supernatural terror and I feel like I had gone so many years f without having that real, like, visceral feeling of what the fuck is that? Do you know what I mean? Yes. And then suddenly Hereditary came along. And I think one of the reasons I love it so much is because it's it, it took me back to being... 13 in my bedroom <laughs> watching films far too late at night when I should be asleep before school watching these films on like channel four or whatever at far too late um and having that moment of like I'm I'm sorry like what have I just witnessed and that is what I got with hereditary and it was like it was this this refreshing feeling of like oh I've missed this as soon as you said that I, I could so tell you were a young teen <laughs> or even younger than that <laughs> watching these films. I just knew it. Just oh, from the, too young. <laughs> just from the way you are on the other podcasts that I've listened to. I know <laughs> that sort of thing where you're in bed. Oh, yeah. that just, just quiet enough to watch it on your own. Yeah. That that trauma is deep, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> what what else has made it um, with these Oscars? Because it, uh, as I say, I'm, I'm again getting cross. I'm getting cross about nothing, really. But... <laughs> Having a look down, uh, I saw that Black Swan, like this is recent times, so I, I could find two. We got Black Swan and Get Out with some major Oscar stuff, so yeah. screenplay and back best actress. Right? Yeah. And then I was looking through, well, when's a film at least been nominated? And you're going back and back and back and back. Um, do you see it as a problem going forward? Because like with these, like recent the chainsaw awards were happening so i think within mm -hmm. the community ourselves like we've got it going on we we really you know we we appreciate our own stuff but i just loved things like even though i didn't like the film like the meg being such a massive hit that means that there's going to yeah. be money coming into it and we can see some ariastas being given a chance and things like that i love that and it just really frustrates me that we're not going to get that opportunity purely because we keep getting snubbed as cliche as it is, and they know it's a cliche, and they, they have definitely heard, like, Tony Collette has heard what people have been <laughs> saying, you know, you know, this is, it's not a secret. It, I just think it's crazy. Um, do, do you see going forward that it might start being a bit more um, accessible to us? 
I hope so. Um, I'm a natural cynic, so I don't know. Um, I, I think there are clues that things are moving in the right direction um, as they are in a few fields. And I mean, the thing is, the thing is with like the horror stuff is I kind of feel like there's some other shit that the academy kind of has to address first. Like there's some, there's some sexism stuff. There's some racial stuff, My like word. maybe sort out that stuff first. <laughs> But don't get me wrong, it doesn't make me any less angry about Tony Collette. So when you get a year when you do have, um, you know, wins for um, Emerald Fennel for um, Promising Young Woman and stuff, which, you know, is a genre film. Of course. Um, and... Um, but but then on the on the flip side of that, it's like where was Elizabeth Moss for um, Invisible Man? And you kind of think like again, like for me, for me, that was a very similar performance to Tony Collette's in Hereditary. Those real like turn it up to eleven moments, like that opening sequence of that film where she's getting out of the house, like Man. that is like a bit like um, the opening of Scream, like that is essentially just like a short film in itself, like phenomenal stuff. But again, like Elizabeth Moss, you know, it was her quieter moments and those 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 glimpses of her emotions behind her face that really kind of brought that performance to life and again to like see her not nominated was like ridiculous I think I think I can see things moving in the right direction I think that on the whole um horror is becoming more commercial and becoming more appreciated critically and I think that the horror community's voice has never been louder in terms of how we are able to shout about the great stuff that we're seeing. Um, but at the same time, I think progress is always slow. So I don't know. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I'm weary of time. Um, I've got a couple more questions, if I may. I want to talk uh, just to get back to it the the ending of the film um <laughs> on now a fifth watch for you is it mm. still as satisfying or, or yeah. Do you, yeah bloody all right <laughs> yeah. okay that's the end of that one <laughs> next question <laughs> um so just to go back to my initial watch that's when people were laughing but it wasn't all the old guys penises it wasn't anything about that it was the floating that's what tickled the audience because, as I say, I think they've gone from such a serious yeah. drama to this, like, supernatural, here's someone just floating across a garden. So I, on my rewatch, and it was only my second rewatch, I fucking loved it. I loved it more than I did the first time. I just so loved it. I'm so glad that you like the way it ties it up. But I still had to go on a YouTube, what's this all mean video. <laughs> I still had to do that. Um, what about you? Like, do you feel, are you satisfied with that ending? Would you have gone different yourself or, or are you like, no, brilliant job? Um, so I'm satisfied for a number of reasons. I'm satisfied for how hard it goes. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yep. fucking Tony Collette floating while like cutting off her own head with a cheese wire or whatever. Like, 
one of the greatest deaths in horror history. Like I'm like one of those ones where it's just like I I'm just like what are we just gonna we're just gonna keep the camera on that, are we? Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, no, oh oh no, we'll cut away now and just hear the thud as it hits the floor. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, good choice. Um like I love how hard it goes. I love that <laughs> you get like a weird fucking family reunion in the like tree house at the end. So you've got like headless grandma, headless mum, and then like Charlie's kind of up in the the sort of um Mm, I don't know the kind of like altar situation (laughs) and poor Peter like Peter this poor sod like it's such a I still after five watches um like I still have to kind of put the jigsaw together in my in my head because it's like okay so you know she like grandma wasn't allowed peter because her and annie were estranged and so when charlie came along and grandma always wanted charlie to be a boy because it has to be a boy to be payman so payman has always been sort of in charlie but that's no good because she's a girl and so we basically have to chop her head off and get her into peter somehow and like i'm so i'm still watching it and like doing the kind of horror maths in my head um but at no point does that like detract from just the absolute batshit crazy stuff that's going on in front of me i'm just i'm so into it i love it you say horror maths this is advanced trigonometry in places (laughs) stupid like and also what what annoyed me again like, what's the, the thing with the heads coming off? Like, there's no, nothing specific. It's just, oh, just fancy it. I just fancy that's the way I yeah. want them to be sacrificed. Just loads of heads off, just all over the gaff. And do you know what's really funny is this is quite a um, recent epiphany of mine is I love a decapitation. Now, I've always been into The Omen. The Omen's my favourite horror film of all time. And as we know, it's got one of the most iconic decapitations of all sure. time. Jaws is my favourite movie of all time. Again, iconic decapitation, the head coming out of the boat. Um, And then I was chatting to Mike and Stevie over on um, Evolution of Horror Patreon recently. And this this idea came up of, I think it was like listeners' questions. And it was like... (laughs) If you were a mass murderer or if you were like a um, like a horror killer, what would be your um, like mode of killing people? And I was like straight in. I was like decapitation, like 100 percent. And that was the moment that I was like, oh, I've got a bit of a problem. Like, why am I so obsessed? But it made me realize like that might be one of the reasons why I love Hereditary so much, because it's just heads off all over the gaff. If only you were not 13, maybe 15 when you first saw those films, maybe. I know, maybe it wouldn't have cut me so deep, I don't know. Mad. Becky, we are in a cinema now. You are curating a three-movie bill, of which Hereditary is one. So you get to choose two others. Uh, What's the order? Mm -hmm. What's the films? Did you give me warning of this? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Did you? Shit. Okay, fine. Um, (laughs) All right. All right. Hereditary is one. I've got two others and I need to pick an order. All right. Fine. 
fine. Fine. I'm going to go The Omen because it draws in that lovely occult situation and you got the beheading little of course. cup. So I'm going The Omen. I'll come back to order. Um, the third one. Ooh. Hmm. Um, oh, am I allowed a short? Why not? It's your it's your festival. Okay. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting the funding for this, by the way. Um, so I'm going to go Ari Aster's short, The Strange Thing About the Johnsons. If you haven't seen it. I have not treat yourself it is like if you think hereditary is a great example of how fucked up ariaster is just watch there's something that the strange thing about the johnsons it is whew, it's messed up um but i watched it basically in preparation for hereditary so like hereditary trailers came out i was watching the trailers i was very much like hmm this looks good and then i was like oh better find out a bit about this guy found the strange thing about the johnsons and it very much um set up some expectations let's put it that way so okay i'm going my my three film um order at my little festival is Ari Aster's The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, Ari Aster's Hereditary, and then we're going to close out on The Omen. Damn it. <laughs> it wasn't too hard. No, it's all right. <laughs> Becky, thank you so much. Paul, what a joy. Thank you so much for asking me on. This has been so much fun. A massive thanks goes to Becky Dark there for speaking to A Year in Horror for this I loved every minute of that. I really just want to reiterate to you, follow her on Twitter for goodness sake and find out what she's up to. It's always good. It's always horror. And I just want to pick up on something that we talked about and add just a couple of things into it. So we mentioned Toni Collette uh, and she is truly outstanding in this film. That's not a surprise. But I'd also check her out in the fantastic Christmas movie. It's called Krampus. Again, I reckon I'm just preaching to the converted here. But if you haven't seen Krampus, get on it. And in fact, I'm going to recommend her in everything from Knives Out, Sixth Sense, Velvet Buzzsaw, and even this recent Netflix sci-fi slow burn thing called Stowaway. She lends her considerable skills to elevate even that most ridiculous story and gives that film a credible, a believable character with some honest reactions. I reckon she's an all-round good egg. And here's the thing, I bet you as soon as she gets a big star and role in anything at all, anything that's non-genre, the Academy's going to give her one of those, we're actually doing this because we got it wrong last time. You know, those Oscars. That's what she'll get. Mark my words.
The soundtrack to Hereditary is often as beautiful as it is brooding. It's menacing and it's otherworldly. It's composed by multi-instrumentalist Colin Stetson and his speciality lies in reed instruments. And even though I don't own this physical product, I can tell you that I've listened to it a ton on my Spotify account. And I have done since I found it on there a couple of years ago. It's very, very addictive. And I think the reason is, is that it sounds really familiar, but it never feels lavish. It never feels overproduced. It's always there creeping around in your head great. I think another thing that's really clever with this one is its use of drone and that underpins the dark vibes that saturate the various setups throughout the film. I'll give you an example. This track is called Morning. That was mourning as in someone's died and you're mourning them. Not as in, wake up, it's a beautiful morning. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Okay. And I would say that out of all of them on this, mourning really accentuates Annie's grief upon learning of her daughter's passing. It compounds that dread and it just doesn't give the audience a chance of respite at any point. It is so crushing. Just when you thought you couldn't feel any lower you pick up on the fact that this score is playing. It's relentless. I just think this is so utterly essential to the movie. And as I mentioned, even as a standalone work, if you feel bummed out and you want to wallow in self-pity or just ponder your existence for an hour or so, you could do a lot worse than simply turning off the lights, hitting play on this and just delving into it. And where can you find it? Well, in the UK you can stream this nightmare-inducing work on Netflix, and in the US you can do the same on Showtime, or on Fubo, or on DirecTV. Both the Blu-ray and the DVD, you could buy these together and still get changed from a £10 note, if you're that way inclined. But be aware though, those extras that are on those discs, they're currently shit. It's really poor. Maybe just wait for its five-year anniversary or ten-year anniversary until you get a lovely box set. That's what I'm going to do anyway. As for podcasts, try out Dirty Little Horror. That was from June 2018. Or why don't you try Horror Movie Club? That was a month later. Both of those are pretty cool, worth your time. But they don't give you a lot in the way of extra information, apart from what you can quickly Google. And that's it. That's hereditary. Hereditary? Hereditary. It's one of them. Every you do.